This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And good morning, golfers. Good morning, Canada. Beautiful day here in uh, the GTA. And it's not so beautiful, I'm sure, where uh, Mark Sacchino is. I'm bringing Mark Sacchino in from Parts Unknown. Where the heck are you, Mr. Z? I'm actually in D.C., Bob. So oh, I'm you're working, down there in, yeah, with the I'm president? Doing the studio. Doing the studio job for PGA Tour Radio. <laughs> I am not hanging with the president. Okay. I am working uh, the studio this week for PGA Tour Radio. So, you know, normally I'm on the ground. But I got to tell you, Pebble Beach, one of the most beautiful places on earth. But with the weather they're having in Pebble, the guys are freezing. They're soaking wet. I think I got the easy gigs sitting on my butt in the studio this week. I got to tell you, I was just going to actually get into that. It is uh, it is a beautiful day to be inside. It's it's actually minus seven here outside. A little bit windy, actually not a little bit windy. We had some pretty good gusts overnight, but you know what? It's got the feeling of golf, and and the reason I say that is because the Toronto Golf and Travel Show, Toronto Star Golf and Travel Show, is underway. And there was, I'll tell you, it was absolutely jammed out there yesterday when we went out and had a walk around and saw some friends. In fact, I ran into quite a few people, Mark, who were asking where you were. And I can only uh, assume that those are people that you owe money to. Um, <laughs> but they, well, why else would they want to see you? No, it's a, it's a beautiful day. We're going to get into that a little bit, uh, a little bit later in the show. We're going to hear from some of the exhibitors who are out there and, and give you a little tease about that. So uh, we'll get into that. But uh, but Pebble Beach, one of the highlights of the of the early part of the year for sure, and uh, not a very picture postcard kind of days out there so far, right? Did you, I don't know, did you, uh, were you able to see uh, the end of the broadcast at all yesterday <laughs> or any images? I oh, did. my God. I, I don't, Bob, I, I know, listen, they, the, usually the PGA Tour officials, when we compare, you know, the decisions that the PGA Tour makes and how they handle rulings or how they handle anything like this compared to what the USGA does and whatnot, it, it, it's night and day. They usually get it right every time. I was starting to wonder, though, like why they still had them out there. It was ridiculous. It looked ridiculous. 18th uh, fairway at Pebble was underwater. The green was just uh, puddling. Uh, Cameron Champ jammed in a birdie putt from about 15 feet. Uh, had to go through basically uh, parting the sea like Moses. <laughs> found the found the bottom of the cup and the splash came out of the bottom of the cup. It was hilarious. So I, I think they let them out there, uh, left them out there too long. But I got to tell you, Bob, I think they're worried about getting it in. Is the big problem. The forecast today horrible again forecast tomorrow not so good so you know i think it was it's more out of desperation like how long can we leave these guys out there to get golf in and i think i think that's what the decision basically was yesterday because we could be playing in rain all day again today and I'm not so sure how much more this golf course can take. Yeah, forecast for today out in beautiful Carmel, 60% chance of rain, uh, gusts of 17 kilometers an hour. Right now, well, of course, it's the middle of the night right now. It only feels like 6 degrees. Well, 6 degrees feeling like 4 degrees. That's pretty cool even at this time of night. And uh, same thing with Sunday, 90% chance of precipitation. So you... you could be very well onto something. It looked a little bit yesterday, sometimes like like they were curling because they got those guys, those Fiji guys out, and they would clear a path just for where the putt was going to go. It was it was like you said, ridiculous. Now I don't know if they were 
too busy looking at, you know, there's three courses being used, of course, so maybe they were waiting to see all three get underwater or something. I'm not uh, sure. Well, here's the thing. I found two things I learned yesterday, Bob, that I, you know, that, that I didn't know. And uh, I wonder, I, I'm curious if, if you knew this rule. Um, it, so basically in this format, if you halt play at one golf course, you must halt them at all of them, regardless of the conditions on the other golf course. Once play is halted, it's halted at all three. I knew that. What I didn't know is if you squeegee the putting surface, you have to squeegee a minimum of three feet beyond the cup, a minimum as well as what's in front of the cup, to prevent players from just charging the hole with the putt and hitting a wall of water like oh, yeah. beyond the cup. Yeah, Never I was thinking about that. that. So they have to squeegee beyond the cup a minimum of three feet, or they're not allowed to squeegee. Makes, there you go. Makes well, there you see what you get. This is what this is the kind of insight you get on Golf Talk Canada. <laughs> you don't get this on every radio show. You know, you don't really get that. You don't get that on the bit on on uh, on Overdrive. That's not what you get there. You, this is what you get on this show. Uh, all right, let's get into a little bit of news and headlines. Lines is brought to you by Porter Airlines. Now flying direct to 16 Canadian destinations and seven U.S. destinations direct, including Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Visit flyporter.com. Porter Airlines, flying refined. Well, speaking of rulings, we had uh, an interesting situation, of course, coming out of the waste management where there were two significant um, rulings that were given. Well, actually, one that involved two different two two rulings. But one was uh, one was, of course, about the alignment, which we've seen with Hao Tong Lee, and then we saw it again with Denny McCarthy, and then there was also the Ricky Fowler one. Well, the USGA and the RNA, after some discussions with uh, the PGA Tour, kind of clarified this ruling about aligning a player, and and it really came out of that Denny McCarthy. Uh, situation where the PGA Tour assessed him a two-shot penalty because his caddy was simply standing behind him even when he was taking a practice swing before he had stepped into his uh, his full stance to take his shot. That was assessed a two-shot penalty. It was later rescinded. And now the USJ and the RNA have kind of tried to clear up that ruling. Um, it, it's a little more definitive, I guess, but it's still, still to me would be very simple if they just said, don't line up your guy. What do you, what do you think about the, the, the change that they've made in this rule? I'm 100% with you, Bob. I just say don't line up your guy. End of story. I, I don't like, yes, it's better. It's better now than where it was where we started. But we're still using words like deliberately. So a caddy must deliberately stand there and, and become an asset in terms of alignment and whatnot. So now here we're back into another gray area, back into a judgment, uh, back into a scenario where if a rules official sees it one way and a player and a caddy see it another way, we could be in another sticky situation. Uh, I know that they've uh, also updated the rule by suggesting that if a player backs off at any point during his stroke or stance, it's deemed to have, you know, broken the, uh, I guess, broken the stance of a stroke, so to speak. And then, and if a caddy's there, it's not a penalty. The player can restart, go back in. I'm with you though. I, I just thought this would be so much simpler. You are not allowed. You are simply not allowed to gain assistance in lining up a golf shot. End of story. If right? you if you watch the situation that Hao Tong Lee had uh, in Dubai, and and you saw what what happened there, where he his caddy was clearly not lining him up walked away but because of the timing of when he walked away where uh Lee was still was actually starting to set up he was dinged and the same thing really with McCarthy there was no there was no help he wasn't giving him any there was no intent to 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 line him up in any way shape or form and like you said that to me is kind of 
um, kind of the whole situation. I, I noted an interesting comment from PGA Tour player Chesson Hadley, who just said that with his with his caddy now, what they're doing is he just said, "Don't ever walk behind me. Doesn't matter what you're doing." Where you are, don't walk behind me at any point, any time. Even with this clarification in the ruling, that's what he said, which I think is um, is a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting comment to make. From uh, you know, and, and I imagine there's he's not alone in that sentiment. Well, I'm, here we are now. The paranoia set, sets in, and um, it usually results in some type of slower play. I don't know how this is going to result in slower <laughs> play, Bob. I have no clue. But the one thing I've learned over the years on the PGA Tour is once the players are paranoid about that, they think there's video on them. They think they're calling a rules official now for everything, and we're into another 20 minutes in every round. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I see a lot of comments on Twitter about guys saying, "Well, why don't the PGA Tour?" players read the rule book. Well, I think they do, but I think they're so afraid of, of maybe messing it up a little bit that, that you know, who's going to take a chance, really? Who's going to risk a chance for a two-shot penalty or a one-shot penalty? I mean, look what happened to Hao Tong Lee. That, that move cost him basically $100,000. So... Uh, it's 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 kind of tough to 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 tell these guys just to hell yeah just do it on your own when when the situation the other one that was uh, to me was even stranger was of course the penalty that Ricky Fowler got when his ball rolled back into the water I don't have a problem with it if if it's if he hasn't taken a drop but once he takes a drop and places it I think that he should be granted a little bit of uh, leeway in terms of you know guys when guys were talking to me about the rule saying well a ball can move on its own and it can roll into the cup as well I said yeah but usually not after it's been placed I, I don't know what do you think about that one I thought it was horrible Bob it was ridiculous again you know we just went through an update of the rules and you know I think they did a real good job on some of the, some of them uh, but I think there are some glaring omissions on others and I think that is a perfect example of a glaring omission as to you know. <laughs> Again, to another question, uh, God, I, I wish I could off the top of my head because it was last week, but it was on my Twitter feed last week, and it was uh, someone substantial in the game of golf, and they, and they said the question was this, is when is the professional game being played for billions of dollars going to stop allowing the amateur game to dictate their rules? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a good question when you watch what happened with Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Thankfully, he ended up winning the tournament anyway, so it, uh, it worked out in the long run. Um, interesting, interesting news from the uh, Niagara region where the Mike Weir Wine Winery and Wine, actually, it's actually officially called the Mike Weir Wine Incorporated, was placed into receivership. And that's a result of the guys who bought the winery from Mike Weir and his, and his group and uh, have failed to deliver on paying them. So at this point, um, Mike Weir was promised, uh, they sold it for $6 million. Placed in, sorry, it was placed into receivership for $6 million. Mike Weir is owed $2.2 million. The bank, RBC, which also is involved, is owed $4.3. And uh, he was issued some promissory notes last October. They failed to deliver on those, so Mike Weir petitioned the court to have it put into receivership so it could be sold, so he can get some money. And interesting enough, the uh, the guy who uh, is supposedly the, well, the guy who's in the company that owes the money is a, a well-known Toronto radio personality. We'll just leave it at that for for the moment. But um, it does go to show you about the, the interesting interesting documents for for Mike Weir and and the business assets that he is in. Well, I'll say this too, Bob. I do not own Mike Wine, Mike Weir's winery. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, that's it's all I'm going to say. It's <laughs> okay. not me. Okay, you know I like my vino. You uh, know yes. I like. Okay, <laughs> but it is not me. I'm not the radio personality <laughs> in question. So, 
Uh, yeah, weird story, isn't it? And uh, it goes to show you, too, sometimes, like, I don't know, obviously Mike wasn't too involved in, in this business. Uh, I'm guessing it was more of a, we want to buy your name. You know, and we've seen this a million times. Uh, I don't think, you know, Wayne, Wayne is, is very often down at his estate, you know, Wayne Gretzky wineries and whatnot. So this is, it's not, I'm not pointing out, Mike, we are suggesting that, that that's a, a weird thing. I, I think this happens with all these guys that lend their names to these brands and, and whatnot. But I, make, I, it makes you think twice, though, doesn't it, Bob, of who, you, who yeah. you're lending your name to? Well, I will disagree with you a little bit because I know that this, the, the, the Mike Weir winery was actually run by Mike Weir. He's one of the few guys, oh, like you said. Okay. Yeah. Like you said, with with uh, with Gretzky and I think Dan Aykroyd has some, and there's a number of them. They lend their name to it. Mike actually physically bought a winery, physically had fields, grapes, the whole thing growing. His brother Jim actually ran the business for quite a number of years. Now I don't know if Mike, like sort of what you were saying, I don't think Mike was out there picking grapes and stomp, stomping <laughs> on them. But but it's a little more than just lending his name into it. And so I think that's why this situation to me is is interesting. The uh, the he sold 15 percent of it in 2013. Uh, the remainder of shares in October of 2017, and all the proceeds from this winery, by the way, went into his foundation. They were they were all uh, targeted for uh, for uh, children's charities. So it's it's an interesting wow. thing. But anyway, the, it's been closed since April, uh, and we'll see what happens if Mike gets any any money out of that. Um, He's actually playing very well, which is another interesting story. <laughs> and this week, he's playing in the uh, Web.com Tour event, made the cut. He was actually tied for second after the first round. So maybe he's getting a little incentive. Maybe he needs more money. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I got, well, I stand corrected on the wire. I, I was just made an assumption that he was, you know, like most of them were the, just yeah, the name. So for I, sure. I, I'm, I'm, it's good to hear he was down there involved. And it's too bad because it sounds like it, it really helped. Uh, it was going to the right cause. It was for his foundation. But... At the end of the day, regardless, we know Mike's been working really hard on his game and trying to stay active, trying to stay relevant, play golf the last couple of years. It's, you know, it's, everybody knows the struggle. But he opened with 66 at the Panama Championship on the Web.com Tour, and a lot of eyebrows were raised when they saw that 66 and him going to second. He backed up a little bit yesterday, but again, talk about a, a, a bit of a weather issue. Uh, the winds are howling down in Panama. It's... Uh, they're having their challenges down there, so he wasn't the only guy to back up. I think the leader's at five or six under right now at the web.com. I know you'll do leaderboards later in the show, Bob. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, on the go-low tour. The web.com tour is a go-low tour. And when the lead's <laughs> at like five or six through 36 holes, you know they're playing a hard golf course. So exactly. making the cut down there uh, is uh, is a really good sign for Weirsy. Uh, we're going to take a little break here. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about Pebble. Interesting stories down there about the, uh, they, they went very deep on the alternate list here. And there's a couple of interesting stories that involve actually Panama. Some guys who are in Panama from the web.com tour event trying to race through and get their games, uh, get, get onto the PGA tour. Some guys made it, some guys didn't. We'll tell you a couple of those stories. We'll also look at some of the, uh, some of the celebs that are playing and, and some of those celebs are really good golfers, aren't they? Well, especially, uh, you know, we, we all know Tony Romo's had, a, you know, a couple sponsors exemptions and likes to try to qualify for the U.S. Open, but there's a few of them out there. Well, I know we'll get into it later, but his birdie at, at 15 was just crazy yesterday. And Bob, I should give you a heads up, too. Our uh, Golf Talk Canada account just tagged us and tweeted out uh, uh, to our listening audience, do you like 
the celebrity format, the old Pro-Am, Bing, Bing Crosby, Clam Bank, Bob Hope, <laughs> Desert Cloud. Do you like this format still, or has it run its course? Yes or I, no? So. Uh, yeah, I like it, and I'll tell you an interesting story about uh, that I heard t- this week about Jack Lemon playing that. Of course, Jack tried forever to make the cut. I think he finally did, but we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, Let's get into the Pebble Beach Pro-Am when we come back, and here on Golf Talk Canada, lots more to come on a cool Saturday morning here in February. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twistface M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It is a cool, another cool Saturday morning here in the GTA area. Hopefully it's a a little warmer from wherever you're listening. We did hear uh, a little shout out from our producer, Adam Scully, who is not in the cold. He's in the warm down in Florida with uh, Mama Skull, who's uh, recovering uh, probably in two ways. She's probably recovering from, she's recovering from a broken wrist. We know that, Mark, but she's probably also recovering from uh, her birthday celebrations. So, uh, sore head, sore wrist. <laughs> We're going to make that assumption there on that. And, uh, shout Whoa. out to the, shout out to producer Adam Scully. There will be no Scully time, uh, today, but, uh, we're going to have Rydal time at, uh, at, at 9.45 this morning. Nice. He's going to fill in. Nice. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and I noted, uh, in the break there that, as you said, there's a, uh, a tweet up about asking whether people like the format with the celebrities. Do you like to see them playing? Do you like to see, uh, guys, you know, of cor- t- corporate titans and, and uh, notable celebrities, musicians, actors, those kind of things, sports uh, figures playing golf. What, what's your thought, Mark? You know, I'm kind of stuck on it, Bob, because, you know, I, when I was younger, I really enjoyed it. I, but there was some story to it. It was, you know, Jack Lemon trying to make the cut forever. And uh, I don't know, they, the, the celebrities were different. They, they'd play up to the cameras in the crowd a bit more. You saw the same faces every year on an annual basis that, you know, that were coming here for decades, it seemed. And, and now, with the exception of, you know, the odd guy here or there it feels like it's gotten way too much oh ceo of uh this or president of that you know guys that you wouldn't know if you hit them with your car bob you know what i mean and (laughs) and it's a so when you take that into the equation and then you also line it up with the fact that we're into a five and a half hour round of golf uh i'm starting to wonder if maybe uh, this is something that we're just, you know, carrying forward from the old days, and, and it's time to let go to the old uh, Bing Crosby clambake style format. But then again, there, you know, we saw some great stuff from Tony Romo yesterday. You know, I'm sure at some point over the weekend we're going to get our, our Bill Murray fill, uh, things like that. So um, it could be interesting to see. I don't know. I, I'm going to, unlike most Mark opinions, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on this. Wow, one. there's a. Out of the blue for that one. <laughs> Shocking people here today. Shocking news here today on Golf Talk Canada, everybody. Mark Sacchino sits on the fence. Uh, I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I think you kind of come to expect it. And I think in some ways, I thought about this in the break, where it would be weird if they weren't there. Like if you didn't have celebrities at this tournament because we've just come to expect it so much. Now we'll get our fill of uh, of the PGA Tour at Pebble without it. Or 
well, not the PGA Tour, but the U.S. Open, obviously, will be there in June. So we'll see it uh, in a little bit weather, better weather likely as well. But I kind of, I don't mind it. And I know it does take a long, it's, it's long rounds. Uh, I remember talking to Wayne Gretzky one time saying that you do a lot of sitting, he said, on the, uh, on the sidelines and while you're waiting for guys to tee off and stuff. And I think there are some, I mean, there are some really decent golfers out there amongst this group. As you pointed out, Tony Romo is very good. Um, I'm looking over the list here right now. You know, there's some some notable players on there. Obviously, Condoleezza Rice is a pretty good player. I can't remember. There was a lady who played with uh, uh, with Gary Woodland the last couple of years, who was really really good player as well. Anyway, um, I kind of like it for a little bit of break. But I think I think you know when Sunday comes, if you're not kind of challenging for the pro am title, then I think maybe you, you, you take a seat. Um, well, they do obviously, but you get out of it, get out of the way of the players who are really challenging for this for this title. You do bring up a good point too that that I didn't think of, and I know it's really only in the equation once every ten years, roughly or so, or once every eight years. But on a year like this, where we'll have a U.S. Open, which will be a much different golf course and a much different tournament, obviously when we get there in June. But in that same breath. Uh, it, the, the celebrity involvement of the AT&T at least you know, changes it enough to where we're not just going back to, to Pebble twice for a PGA Tour event. So there is that as well. So you, you bring up a good point there that the, you know, just maybe a little bit different mix in the flavor of this event because, man, when we get here in June, Bob, this, like, yeah, we're on the same property, but this golf course is a completely different creature. So here's here's the great story I heard about uh, about Jack Lemmon, and, and this is apparently for for those who don't know, of course, Jack Lemmon, famous actor, for years played in this tournament and for years missed the cut. Did everything all he wanted to do was to to, to make the cut at the AT and T Pebble Beach, the old clam bake, and it was he finally did get it done. But one year, apparently, he came very prepared, had practiced, taken a bunch of lessons. He was all ready to go. And he stepped up on the first tee. And you know the first hole at, at Pebble is, is right by the lodge. He took a swing, basically shanked the ball into the lodge. <laughs> and the ball, believe this or not, and this only happens in golf, ended up in the room he was staying in. <laughs> it actually went right that is... into that room, and he found that ball, apparently. So that's, that's uh, quite a story about that. And, and, of course, you know, there is that fun element to it. We've seen Bill Murray dancing in the bunkers with, uh, with, with spectators and, and wearing the, the crazy, crazy outfits. And uh, Ray Romano is kind of a, taking over the Jack Lemmon role where he tries to make the cut and, and play well. But, uh, but I guess I'm of the, of the mind that it's fun. Um, but I am looking also forward, as you say, to, to seeing some, some really good uh, golf at the U.S. Open style when we get back here in June. Hey, uh, Bob, I got, I got to ask you this question because it came up yesterday. So, you know, when we do our PGA Tour radio broadcast, they fill us full of, like, local flavor and local knowledge so that, you know, when there isn't great golf going on or we have lulls in the broadcast and so we can add some flavor. And I got this uh, sent to me yesterday. Uh, so we're in the centennial year, obviously, for Pebble Beach, 100 years old, celebrating this golf course, uh, uh, trem- like iconic layout in the world of golf, iconic place probably in sports. You know, one of those few times in the world of golf where it's not just iconic to us golf lovers, but really to the world of sports, everyone on the corner of the globe knows Pebble Beach. But 100 years ago, can you guess what the green fee rate was for men? And there was a difference between men and women, what it cost them to play the golf course 100 years ago on the day it opened, what the green fee at Pebble was. Um, I'm going to say 40 bucks. $2.50. 
for men. Two dollars. <laughs> two dollars. Oh Drop a toonie and you go. And ladies had a fifty cent discount. They got to play for a dollar fifty. Do you believe that? Now wow. what are we looking at now? Now the cheapest I think you can get on Pebble now is sixteen hundred dollars because they have certain times a year they drop their two night minimum to a one night minimum at the lodge. Uh, well, the Lodge is 1100 and Spanish Bay is 700 So if you do one night at Spanish Bay for 700 and pay your green fee at Pebble, it's 1200 bucks. Yeah. So the cheapest you're getting on is 1200 and then most of the years they make you stay two nights, which bumps that to 1900 for a round of golf. Well, that's nothing for a man of your means. I mean, that's that's very very easy. Uh, I did hear, I th- and, and and I will uh, stay, say that I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I did hear uh, this week from from one fellow that it was twenty five thousand dollars to get into the pro am here, and there are certain ways you have to sort of buy your way in because there's a bit of a uh, a bit of a waiting list as well. So it's not cheap to play in this pro am for all these guys out there. And there's a couple of Canadian guys out there. I know David Dubé, um, a guy who's involved with uh, Sportbox and uh, out in Saskatchewan. He's playing usually wear some very uh, very flashy clothes so you can't miss them out there. Uh, so that'll be good. But uh, And by the way, the woman I was thinking of who was a really good player, uh, Kelly Rohrbach, she's a, uh, she played the last couple of years with, with Gary Woodland, and, and she is, she's a very talented player. So there you go. Yeah, I do. You know what? I recall that now. Now that you say the name, I, think, I know exactly who you're referring to. <laughs> right. Well, there's enough of uh, Pebble Beach for you, and hopefully the weather uh, shines a little brighter. Maybe they'll get a little break in it so they can get some decent golf in there um, right now. When we get back after this break, it's time, Mark, for the most wonderful part of the show. Uh, three dub Bob. Winner's Weird and What, coming up after this break. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Weeks in studio in Toronto. Uh, Zacchino in D.C. doing a little uh, serious XM PGA Tour radio coverage of Pebble Beach, which I know sounds weird because he's in uh, Washington, but uh, <laughs> I don't understand how it works. But you know, I was just thinking during that uh, that sports update, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if uh, if you had a voice like John Leatherby? Oh, Isn't that great? Yeah, you can listen to him read the back of a ketchup bottle and be entertained. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Speaking of entertained, there's nothing more entertaining than Winners Weird and What. And Mark, this week I have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. Well, my winner this week, Mark, is uh, a guy playing his first PGA Tour event, and he has captured uh, video, he has captured the internet virally with his crazy golf swing. He's known as the Fisherman, and it's Ho Sung Choi, and this guy is uh, is absolutely entertaining to watch him play. Not only when he swings on the, like, full-out swing on the driver or something, but also when he putts. This guy has more body movement uh, than anything I've ever seen in a golf swing. And, and this might be, his swing might be the cure to preventing bad backs. I don't know. What do you think of that swing? Well, I love it. It's like he's jumping out of his own way. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's unreal. It's uh you know, he's won four times on you know other tours around the yep. world. Uh, I think his main tour is the Japanese tour, but uh, plays on the European tour now as well. But um, he's, he's legit. You know, 
He's legit. Like, it's funny because I saw the swing. So someone broke down the swing in, in slow motion <laughs> in the parts. And you, when you see him at impact and stuff like that, it looks pretty good. It looks normal. It's all the theatrics before and after and in between. And it's just it's all over. It's hilarious. I, I think he's going to land the quad today, Bob, and the Russians <laughs> are going to give him a 9 point two. So. I loved it. I loved it when uh, yesterday they had uh, his swing. Uh, no, they actually had Jim Furyk's swing and Tony Romo's swing beside each other. I thought, wouldn't it have been great to have... Jim Furyk and, and Ho Sung Choi, the most unique swings. And he's actually got his logo of his swing kind of emblazoned on his golf bag, which I think is uh, is uh, so much fun. All right, my uh, I got to get my weird here because uh, you know I love my weirds on uh, yes. on this one, and I got to call it up here because I don't want to I don't want to mispronounce anything here. Just let me give me a half okay. a sec. Um, yes. Is there is there any uh, any hope? Uh, that uh, that you're going to get back here in time for uh, the Toronto Golf Show. No, you're down there for the rest of it, aren't you? No, no, yeah, I fly out at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. Oh, I'm dear. on the last oh, flight out of Ronald Reagan Airport. All right, uh, tomorrow night. So here's my weird. My weird. The headline on this is weird enough alone. It says police chase naked man accused of stealing golf cart and pooping in owner's garage. <laughs> End of story. (laughs) Let me tell you about this story. So Cobb County police were called on February 1st after a man was allegedly burglarizing a home. I didn't say that very well. Burglarizing a home while wearing only a shirt and socks, according to a warrant obtained by the, the TV station that's recording this. The accused illegally entered into a victim's home, a complete stranger, with no pants on and his genitals clearly visible. This is the report. This is what's reading the report. With the home alarms system set off, the man walked past the owner's room while having a gun pointed at him. He went into the child's room where he put on a sweatshirt he found, and he opened up a window to the garage and pooped on the ground. That's not the end of it. That's not bad enough. He allegedly stole a golf cart from the garage without any pants on. That's in quotes, by the way. I should point that out. And police caught up to the man and ordered him to pull over, but he refused. The police were forced to pull in front of him, in front of the golf cart, slow him down. He still refused to yield. He ran off into, uh, he crashed. He ran off into a forested area. The police hit him with a taser. The taser apparently had no effect, so they had to actually hand hard hand tactics to this man. I am thinking he might be just a little bit full of something that was uh, numbing the pain. Anyway, there's 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 your uh, uh, there's your your uh, weird for this week, and you know I love my weirds. See, um, this is what happens, Bob, when uh, you've had a little too much to drink, okay, yeah, or something but else, also, or something else. Or it's also what happens when you bug your superintendent too much and they just snap. You see, yeah. this is it just takes the golf cart from the local community and <laughs> off you go. That's it. I want the greens faster. I've had enough. Oh man, I'll tell you. Well, my what this week is uh, what an interesting story of the putter that uh, that Wayne Gretzky is using this week. This putter is a red Scotty Cameron. And it has the name Gordy Howe emblazoned on it. And it's an interesting story. Apparently, uh, Gretzky was, uh, of course, he's a huge fan. He received a Gordy Howe jersey when he was six years old. And he's been a huge fan of Gordy Howe ever since. And he says that he was playing at Sherwood Country Club in a fivesome a couple of years ago. I don't know about that. Uh, but his group had a twosome that was playing behind the group. So they waved them through. And one of the guys in the group was using this red putter. So, so Gretzky says he didn't know it was Gordy Howe's putter, but he looked at it and he said, oh, that's a cool putter. And the guy said, well, actually, it's, it's a Gordy Howe putter. And the next day, Gretzky said the man sent him this putter, and he's used it ever since. He's using it this week at, uh, at Pebble. He said that Dustin Johnson apparently took it with him and had a little more weight put on it for him, so it would uh, be a little bit more effective. But it's been in the bag for, uh, for two years now, and Gretzky says he's never pulling it out. So how about that? Yeah, I saw some uh, photos of it on social media. It looked great, and... Uh... Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, 
Wayne's man growing up as a kid. He idolized Gordie Howe, so I, I think it's a great story. All right. Well, Mark, now is the time. The tea is yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, the truth, Bob, is Tony Romo had one epic birdie yesterday, and he's my winner. I'm sure everybody has seen this by now. As soon as it happened, I mean, like every Twitter feed, Instagram feed, etc. on the planet lit up with the highlights. Tony Romo on the 15th hole at Pebble Beach doing his best Phil Mickelson impersonation. He comes out of his drive, uh, hits this big, giant, massive cut that – lands in a hospitality area. Now, the good news is it's pouring rain and freezing cold, so everybody's gone home. He didn't hurt anybody. (laughs) The hospitality area is completely wide open, and it it was quite great television. The ball sitting up on the carpet. They had uh, some of the uh, volunteers and and staff uh, move tables and chairs out of the way. And he chooses, you know, to play it from this, you know, very tight lie on the carpet, on this hospitality. We've seen Phil Mickelson do this in the past. Tony Romo from about 100 yards hits it into about eight feet, spins it back to five, knocks it in for birdie. I don't care what happens the rest of the way at Pebble Beach. That will be the best birdie we see all week, maybe all year, Bob, on the PGA Tour. <laughs> that was a remarkable birdie. And it's I'm amazed at how many times, it's not all the time, but there have been a number of times where you see this shot being played. I was at the uh, the RBC Canadian Open last year at Glen Abbey, and some guy hit his ball up into the... Uh, the stands. Now he actually ended up taking a drop because you couldn't. The way the stands were constructed, you couldn't play it like Romo did, where he had a clear shot. But I mean, I've seen Phil Mickelson hit hit it out of the uh, out of the, the stands and twice in one tournament, I think, but never anything like what Romo did to put it to like a little gimme. Yeah, apparently, uh, what we've learned from this is uh, Tony uh, Romo practices a lot off driving ranges with mats. Yeah, is what exactly. we've learned from this. Exactly. So. Now, my weird this week. It's a bit of a good weird in a way, but it's weird because I asked myself the question at the end. Now, Brooks Kepka has been on a media tour and a blitz this week, mainly in promotion of his U.S. Open title defense coming later this on at Pebble, in Pebble Beach uh, in June. And he's called out a bunch of players on slow play. Uh, we talked about it last week with Bryson DeChambeau taking a minute 40, more, minute 45 to hit that shot on the European tour. And now this week he's talked a little bit about the new rules, and he was asked questions about the new rules. And like you and I, he's okay with some, and some of the others he's scratching his head at a bit. But the one comment he did make I found very interesting, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was along these lines. We have a bunch of rules already in the game of golf to prevent these things, to help these things, like pace of play. But nobody has the guts to ever hand out a penalty for slow play. So instead of creating new rules, why don't we just enforce the ones we already have? And that's where I started scratching my head and going, Brooks Kepka, for a guy who's been very quiet on social media, for a guy who uh, occasion, occasionally said uh, over the years, Bob, he doesn't maybe get the respect he deserves because he's not out there in the public eye like the other guys. Man, in the last week he's made up for it. And I tell you, with that last comment, makes a ton of sense to me. 
Well, I, I'm wait, still waiting for that next guy who's going to get dinged for uh, for dinged a shot for for the, on the PGA Tour for slow play. I mean, the, the only guy I can remember was that little 14 year old kid from China who played in the Masters a few years ago. And I remember after that there was such an outrage. I remember Brant Snedeker saying, you know, like every guy in the field could probably have gotten charged uh, for slow play at certain certain times during the Masters. But you're right. He's got. The, the, I mean, I think the rules, the new rules, in a lot of ways, are better because they make it easier for guys like you and me to play more so than the PGA Tour guys. It just seems to be causing a lot more confusion for them in certain situations, obviously. And, and you're right. And that 14-year-old amateur at Augusta, that you know, we got to keep in mind too that that was the that was the tournament uh, director and tournament team of Augusta National handing out that penalty. Uh, we got to go back out, outside 25 years to find the last slow play penalty handed out on the PGA Tour over 25 years ago. For, it's just insane. Yeah, so, for a stroke, for sure, yeah. Yes, for a stroke. Excuse me, for a stroke. Not for warnings or, or whatnot, Fines, but I mean, yeah. actually get, get handed a stroke penalty, we're outside 25 years. Now, to go back to my winner, Tony Romo's birdie, prior to that, we may have had the best birdie on the PGA Tour all season happen on Thursday for my what? And the only reason it's not the best birdie we're going to see all year is because of what Romo did yesterday. <laughs> but what a birdie from Sned. Did you see Sned's birdie on Thursday, Bob? <laughs> I saw the first shot, too. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. my God. But it is pretty amazing. You're right. Smother hooks his tee ball at maybe, possibly the most iconic finishing hole in all of golf, the 18th at Pebble Beach. Smother hook into Stillwater Cove. Goes down the rocks, climbs down the rock, finds his ball sitting on the stony gravel that has about a 15-foot cushion between him and, and, and the Pacific Ocean, Stillwater Cove, which, you know, is just 15 feet away from tide coming in and pulling him and his golf ball out into the middle of the ocean. He opens up a five iron and hits this giant high cut over the stone wall hits a wedge in the 15 feet, and buries the putt from above the hole. He turns a, like a sure six, if not a seven, into a four. It was brilliant. And my call on PGA Tour, Tour Radio, Bob, because I was calling it off the monitor, and this was my call. It was, Brant Snedeker is 15 feet away from spending the weekend with Tom Hanks in a volleyball. Instead, he makes four. <laughs> very good, very good. It's it was you know the only thing I can ever think of that would be better than that was remember when Hale Irwin beat beat Jimmy Nelford. He bounced his off the rock. It went in, hit the rock, and came back into the middle of the fairway, and he had uh, made a birdie and uh, uh, and ended up winning in a playoff. But boy, that was that was something by by Sneds out there. Some interesting golf. This weekend at uh, um, at Pebble Beach for sure. Never never a dull moment over there. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to chat a little bit more. I'm going to get Mark's opinion on uh, what happened with Sergio Garcia, his uh, his doppelganger uh, last week, and we'll see uh, what he thinks about that. Never a dull moment with Sergio. Never a dull moment with Mark Zacchino. More coming up on Golf Talk Canada. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Bob Weeks here in Toronto. Mark Zacchino is in Washington, D.C. And, um, Mark, we have a little open segment here. I wanted to bring up two items. One was uh, was Sergio Garcia and his display last week um, 
I mean, in, in Saudi Arabia, that tournament there, which is, just in itself is an interesting topic, having a tournament in Saudi Arabia. But um, what did you make of that? And do you think the penalty was, was strong enough? Uh, yeah, you know, it's so weird, Bob. And there's a lot of weird things going on here because are you not surprised we haven't been able to see more footage of this too? Like in, in, in the era we live in now, there's cameras and video everywhere. I've barely seen anything of this. You know, we've seen some, but not, not all the alleged damage he did. Uh, it's bizarre. Um, my initial reaction was, I think there's more going on here that we're unaware of. And I, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's nothing serious going on in his life. But to me, this is not a normal, it'll, not even close to a normal reaction. Um, and it makes it led me instantly to believe that there's something going on off the golf course that he that, that we're unaware of. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I don't know anything, but that was my initial reaction. Uh, I thought the only positive in this is I thought he handled it uh, okay. Uh, he accepted his uh, accepted his penalty and, and and you know didn't say very much after that. Kind of just quietly took his medicine and left. But I don't think it was strong enough either, Bob. I I think from from what we're hearing and uh, of what he did and from some of the players' reactions that had to see it and, and, and be around it and play through it. Um, I, I'm I'm from the voice that there should have been a suspension here as well, not just a, disqual- a disqualification. I don't know how you feel, but I would have I would have also handed out a suspension of some kind. This is this is beyond anything we've ever really seen before. Um, yeah, I'm kind. Of, it's interesting, you know. I've I have seen guys kind of lose it in the bunker before. I remember a guy. I remember Paul Azinger actually at the RBC Canadian Open on the old eighth hole. I can never remember what the new lineup is. Uh, hit a wedge shot and and bladed over the green, and then he just stomped all over his wedge in the bunker. And you see that from time to time. I don't have as big a problem with that because you can rake the bunker, and there's you know the next guy doesn't have a have a problem. Apparently on this situation, Garcia was in a footprint, and that's what kind of led him to go crazy in the bunker. The greens part I have a little bit more difficulty with because you are damaging the putting surface and all those guys coming behind you. Um, interestingly enough, the group behind him was Patrick Reed. <laughs> so um, <laughs> make of that what you will. But, but you know, the, you're damaging it from other players. Now you're starting to affect the rest of the field, and that's where I have an issue. And, and I think Sergio, you know, by all accounts, apparently five or six greens that he damaged. Now, you're right. There is, it's kind of crazy that there's nothing there, but we don't know what's going on with... He was playing way too early before the cameras were there, so there's um, there was no cameras rolling, and I know that situation from being in television. Sometimes you just don't capture everything. I know, I know on the PGA Tour, domestically, generally they do, but in a lot of cases now, even like, for instance, last year at the CP Canadian Women's Open, we didn't have the first nine holes of Brooks round because she started early, and the Golf Channel people just weren't on the job yet. Um... The, you know, the suspension thing, I thought, yeah, you know, he does deserve a suspension. But then afterwards, I thought, you know, maybe he's going to get more abuse and he's going to learn more about it by being out there. Can you imagine mm. what Sergio is going to go through when he plays in the PGA Championship at Bethpage? Oh, boy. Yeah. In New York crowds? You know what? Yeah. They're going to light him up? Man, he is going to remember yeah. this thing for a long time with that, with that kind of a group if you go yeah, and play in New York. Like- a good point, Bob. You know, maybe being out there having to face the music is is more uh, pointed than than sitting at home and, and putting your feet up, right? It's not like these guys need the money, so the suspension sometimes isn't uh, isn't really doing the job. So maybe you're right, but, uh, but man, I tell you, at five greens too, like, yeah. so 
how long does this temper tantrum go for? Didn't you for think you we were? Didn't you five? think we were beyond this? Didn't you think that he'd he'd pass this? Hundred percent, hundred percent. We thought we were beyond this. One hundred percent. And this is why, though, Bob, I think there's more going on. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I don't know anything, but I just have a hard time going. Like, there's nothing like, remotely normal about that reaction uh, to, to damage five greens because you found a footprint on a golf course. Yeah. Come on, crazy, you know, crazy. Uh, very quickly before we go, actually, I, you know what? I'm not even going to get into this. I'm going to talk about. I'll talk about this later about the number of players deep they had to go into the alternate yeah. list this week. Twenty-seven well, alternates apparently uh, either to accepted point, or took a pass. Okay. To to that point, very quickly because I know you got to wrap. But as our polls out there right now, we're almost on a split audience right now. It's fifty-six percent say. Uh, no, they don't like the Pro-Am format anymore. 54% say yes, they still like the Celebrity Pro-Am pro, uh, pro format. So that's what our audience is saying right now. It's split. But maybe that's part of the reason why they had to go so deep down that alternate list. We'll see what uh, Jamie Rydell thinks about that, I'm sure, later. Say hi to Jamie for me. And uh, Mama Scully's get better. Adam, <laughs> have a good weekend. I hope you guys are still listening and having fun down in Florida. And Bob, you're the best, and I'll see you next week. Well, those of you who are listening on PGA Tour Radio, listen for Mark Sacchino, who will be calling the action today at beautiful, well, not at beautiful Pebble Beach, but he'll be warm and dry in D.C. <laughs> calling the action that's taking place at Pebble Beach. Sounds like a really good uh, situation you got yourself into, Mark. We'll see you and talk to you next week. Uh, That's it for the first hour of uh, Golf Talk Canada. When we come back after the break, we are going to go deep into the Toronto Golf and Travel Show. For those of you who are tuning out right now, thank you for listening, and we enjoy having you listen to us week in and week out here on Golf Talk Canada. For those of you who are staying with us, one more hour to come here on a beautiful Saturday morning in February. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It is a cool Saturday here in the GTA area, minus 7 uh, out there right now. But it is getting close to golf season. I know that may seem hard to believe. But the Toronto Golf and Travel Show is on at the International Centre. And, of course, that is really, um, to me, the kickoff to, for people starting to think and go on about golf. I had a chance to walk around there yesterday. It was jammed. Lots of great booths out there. Lots of opportunity to pick up some new gear if you want, shoes or clubs or balls. or uh, Also check out a lot of great destinations if you want to plan your golf coming up for this coming year if you uh, have some uh, interest in maybe taking a trip or getting some good rounds in um, there's lots of opportunity and one of the guys who is uh, making quite an interesting little splash is an old friend who I used to work with back in the old score golf days Brad Kozak joins us now and uh, he is promoting something that he has developed which I think is a smart and overdue idea it's called golf in Ontario and uh, Brad first of all good morning how are you hi guys how's it going Everything is uh, everything's peachy keen here. Um, so tell me a little bit about golf in Ontario, because I know that you have been uh, have been working hard. We talked about this a little, and it just seems like a really interesting and cool and smart idea. And I'm surprised someone hasn't done it before. Yeah, I, I think the uh, just the abundance of golf courses that in Ontario um, kind of called for something that that brought different regions together. Um, it kind of the province uh, kind of has a partnership program that brings different tourism regions together. So. York Durham Headwaters Tourism, that's kind of the region that spans from Cowden all the way out to um, pretty much past uh, 
Clarington, um, almost Peterborough way. Um, you know, they have almost 100 golf courses in their region. So they, they wow. saw an opportunity two or three years ago to, you know, start helping to promote golf um, in the province, which, again, it's a, it's a big kind of overtaking. There's a lot of golf courses. Um, we partnered with Bruce Gray Simcoe, which kind of, you know, can card and Cobble Beach um, as far north as that. And then Bay of Quinty, um, which is a nice little spot out in Belleville as well. So we kind of bring everyone together. Um, you know, we work directly with the golf courses, work with accommodations, and, and offer up, you know, different customized packages. Okay, so I'm, I'm a golfer. I want to take a little uh, trip. Let's say I got three days to play. What happens? I, I go on the website here, golfinontario.ca, or I call you up and I say, uh, put together three courses, two nights accommodation, and here's my budget. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, the, the, goal, the goal is to completely customize you know, what people are looking for. There's so many different types of golf um, everywhere, and, and you get your high-end public, you get your kind of mom-and-pop shops. If you know, you're playing golf in cottage country, if you're playing golf just outside the city, um, so depending on how many people there are, you know, what kind of accommodations you want to stay at, we have some properties that have um, cabins and, and condos and things right on site. So everything's kind of customized to, to what the group needs. Um, and we do have some prepackaged things, but we, we go more for customization just because there's so much product. Right. So guys can go on there and say, Here the, here's what I want. You, you put it together and come back to me kind of deal. Absolutely. Okay. Now, in addition to Ontario, you are doing some work with some other destination areas, which I think is fantastic. Uh, and one of them uh, that I noted yesterday that we were talking about is Panama. And, and I'm not talking about Florida, Panama. I'm talking about, <laughs> about the country Panama. And I'm interested because I don't think that a lot of people sort of think of that as a uh, first off as a golf destination. I think it's becoming better known right now, certainly as a travel and a getaway destination. But tell me a little bit about the quality of golf and what you'd find down there in, uh, in Panama. Yeah, it's funny. It just kind of seeing people come by the booth yesterday and saying, "Oh, I've been to Panama. Oh, I've been to Panama." It was, it was more than I had thought. And, and Panama gets anywhere between you know forty and, and sixty thousand Canadians a year. And you'll run into um, you know old army people and old uh, you know older folks that have retired down there. Um, the quality of golf is fantastic. They have two really high-end Jack Nicklaus design courses, um, Santa Maria and Buenaventura that are sister properties. Um, the web.com is, is being held right now at, at Club de Golf de Panama. Um, Mike Weir actually put up a good round the other day. He did, yeah. days ago, yeah. actually. And um, so, yeah, the, the quality is really high. Um, it, it's more of a private club feel, exclusive type um, packages, but the price point isn't, you know, what it would be in, you know, Dominican or Mexico. So we're trying to, you know, attract the, the Canadians just because they use the U.S. dollar and, um, you know, make it easy for people. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I would say, wow, let's try something new. You know, I've been to Dominican or I've been to Jamaica or somewhere down there or I've been to Florida. Maybe this is something that's a little bit different. And probably, if I'm, if I'm guessing right, probably you would combine this with maybe not make it just a solely a golf vacation, but a little golf and fun and relaxation and beach and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, the, the Panama Canal is kind of one of those bucket list items, I think, for a lot of people in the world. And the historical part of what Panama brings to the world and what they've offered you know, as the gateway to Latin South America, um, it's really unique. And, and the, the people there are, are fantastic. They're very um, tourism-centric. And um, downtown Panama City, if you look at the skyline, looks like Dubai or, or Southeast Asia. Wow. And, and people see it for the first time. And it, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of sneaky places that you're like, you know what, maybe I will try that place. 
Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, now, going down the list, because you do a lot of stuff here. I've also got a, a card in front of me that I picked up at your booth yesterday for North Carolina yeah. golf packages. Boy, uh, you got them all covered here. If someone, does, doesn't, if someone wants to go play golf somewhere warm, you, you got it, right? What's, tell me about North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina is kind of, you know, the usual suspects. The, the Piners, uh, Southern Pines, Aberdeen area, um, you know, is as good as you get from a quality perspective. Um, Tobacco Road is, is a place that, that I know people have heard of. Um, but, but one of the most unique golf courses in the world. Um, just a really good golf experience. Anything from the coast all the way to the mountains. Um, again, similar to Ontario, their product is vast. So um, a lot of different options there, too. Pretty good. So you got so you got North Carolina, you got Panama. I want to go back to Ontario because I still think that's kind of the neatest little yeah. uh, neatest gem that you've got going there in terms of customizing packages. Uh, so so when you, when when people are coming up to your booth, what are they what are they asking for in terms of of golfing in Ontario? Are most of these people familiar with with all the courses, or do you have to explain to them? Or I mean, what, what's the uh, the mindset of the guy coming to your booth this week? From from the tourism side, I don't. I, People aren't really aware of this region is this or that region is that. I, I think that they're aware of the marquee courses. So a guy comes up to my booth and says, hey, I, I travel with a group of eight guys. And whether they, you know, are, one of our new partners is, is the uh, area of Windsor. So we, we kind of look at what they look for. So maybe they want to go play 36 holes or maybe they want to go out and have, you know, really high-end food at the end of the round or they just want to hang out at a, uh, a condo and barbecue. So we, we kind of pick whether it's, Windsor, whether it's uh, Caledon, whether it's Collingwood, we kind of completely customize what that is. So a lot of it's just a conversation back and forth, um, figuring out what kind of golf they want to play, figuring out even what kind of players they are. Because if, if the guys are all, you know, 30 handicappers and they don't really care about the golf part, then, then cool, we can throw you out on pretty much anywhere too. So um, it's completely customized based on what that group wants. Perfect. Well, all right. Brad Kozak is uh, out at uh, the golfontario.ca booth, and uh, you can run into him today at the Toronto Golf and Travel Show. It's uh, starting pretty soon, isn't it? <laughs> you guess, I guess you got to get to work. Do you? Yeah, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's out at the International Center. Stop by his booth, say hello, pick up some of the uh, stuff that he's got. Uh, and if you want to go to the website, golfinontario.ca, customize a package. Brad will be uh, help, uh, happy to set you up with that or with Panama or with North Carolina. Lots of great options for golf. Uh, thanks. Good, good to see you yesterday, and, and, and good luck with this. Uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a real smart idea. You too, Bob. Stay warm up here. Okay. Yeah, we will. Kozak now, of course, lives in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where uh, it's not quite as cold as it is here this morning. Uh, the Toronto Golf and Travel Show, I should mention, again, is uh, is on at the International Centre. I was out there yesterday. There's lots of great booths out there, lots of uh, different uh, destinations. If you want to plan a trip, whether it's close by or whether it is uh, a little further apart, a field such as a Panama, or if you want to go and play over in uh, uh, in Europe and Scotland and Ireland and some of those places. Lots of great uh, opportunities to talk about that. Some good instruction being offered there as well. Uh, lots of uh, opportunities to get some discounts on some great gear. So uh, head on out to the Toronto Star Golf and Travel Show. Uh, a little later today, by the way, uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the AT&T Pro-Am, 
we, you'll be able to watch rounds three and four on TSN. Yes, TSN one and four, as well as CTV two today, starting at 3 p.m. Live coverage of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, weather permitting, of course. You might just be watching some uh, celebrities talk about the about their rounds. But uh, it is definitely, uh, it's back on, on TSN. We're happy to have some live golf for you. And uh, that'll continue throughout the rest of the year. Of course, all four majors are going to be on um, uh, it's not that far away till the Masters as well. I saw some ads during the Super Bowl for uh, for the Masters. That always makes me feel like it's getting closer and closer to golf season. All right. Uh, when we come back, we are going to hear from a Canadian coach who coaches the number one player in the world. We'll talk to Gareth Rafluski when we get back on Golf Talk Canada. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Bob Weeks along with you on a Saturday morning talking golf. The uh, Toronto Star Golf and Travel Show is underway out at the International Centre. Lots of uh, lots of golf stuff out there. Whether you want to book a trip, get some new shoes, uh, get a little instruction. And speaking of instruction, our next guest is one of the best when it comes to dealing with the short game. And um, I was really honoured a couple of weeks ago to uh, be on stage while this guy accepted the Teacher of the Year Award, and he's got all sorts of awards, and he uh, he coaches the number one player in the world on the LPGA Tour, Aria Jatanagarn, and Gareth Rafluski, a real pleasure to have you on this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks very much for having me. No problem at all. Um, I, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on some of the areas that you're dealing with, and, and mostly in, in the short game, and I think it's it's interesting that as uh, as everyday golfers, weekend golfers, we're really focused these now. We've really been trained now to kind of get our golf clubs, our irons and our woods fit. I don't think too many people now will buy clubs just off the rack. But we really don't do the same thing with our putter or wedges, do we? Now, you know, that's the biggest thing I see with people coming to me. They've gone to TXG and Modern Golf and all these great clubs that are fitting. They've got their driver spec'd out. They've got their irons perfect. And they're playing wedges that are just, they just don't work for them. And they're thinking, boy, my short game's really bad. But Half the time, if you get the good wedge with the right bounce and you get the putter that actually works for you, it can save you a ton of strokes and not have to take you know a million lessons trying to fix something that might not be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, it's interesting. A couple times last year, at the end of the at the uh, near the end of the year, I decided I was going to keep track of how many times I actually pulled my wedge out of the bag and and played. And it was I was stunned by by the number of times that I actually used it. It was interesting. So when you're saying that guys don't get their wedges fit with the bounce. What kind of things should they be looking for? So I think, you know, like generally when you talk about a good player, a good player always assumed that I'm a good player. I don't need much bounce. I'll go low bounce through all my wedges. But, you know, the technology has changed so much that if you have two different clubs with two different bounces, let's say you have your 56 degree with 14 degrees of bounce and your 60 degree with four degrees of bounce, those two shots will play absolutely like polar opposite of each other. So in certain conditions where it's a bit soft, you can go with a 14 degree bounce and have no trouble chipping. And any time that's a little firm, you can go with your 60 degree and have no trouble where the other 56 wouldn't work as well. So you've got two clubs that'll work almost in any condition. And just, just a, and just that 
much of a of a um, of a, an awareness, I guess, of what you've got and what you're playing with. I suspect most people don't even know what their bounces are. If you said, "What kind of bounce do you have on your club?" Would you agree? Yeah, they would have no clue. And you know, that's one of the things that I'm going to talk about at the show today. Is you know, you have to set your wedge in a certain way at a dress to activate the bounce. Bounce will only be activated if you do it if you know how to activate it. And once you know how to activate it, honestly, it's a whole new world for chipping because if anybody's been out there and they've really struggled with the yips, sculling it or, or chunky or any of those things, that's half the time they have they don't know how to use the bounce. And it's unbelievable the forgiveness that you can get when you activate the bounce. You can hit, honestly, two inches behind the ball and still make good contact. Wow. <laughs> is it? Does it depend on the kind of course you play as well? I mean, I play at a course that generally has pretty tight fairways. Is that something that I should be looking at, taking into account when I'm choosing my bounce? Definitely. If you've got if you've got a firmer a firmer surface, um, and you need to get into the turf a little bit, you want to go with something slightly lower bounce. If it's a bit spongy underneath, you might want to go with something that's um, a little higher. And also, you know, if it's wet. That has a big part, you know. If you play, if you play in somewhere where it's generally a, a bit wet, I'd be more inclined to go with something with a slightly higher bounce. Just gives you more forgiveness. I think people have always just gone with this generic. Oh, I don't know. Just give me average or middle of the road bounce, you know. But there's so many really cool things. Like one of my tour players recently, we carry two wedges now on tour because one of them will spin when she chips it to about 2,200 RPM, which it just releases nicely. But the other one with a higher bounce is actually spinning close to over 4,000 RPM. So that one wow. comes in and nips and stops. So whenever we need something to stop, we go with that wedge. And whenever we need something that's a bit spongy, on, when we chip on, we want it to release a bit more, we go with the other wedge. So right. we don't change her, we just change the equipment. Right, right. Uh, when it comes to putters, too, I know that you've, you've uh, indicated that a lot of people are playing with the wrong kind of putter or wrong setup for a putter in terms of loft, in terms of length. Give me some idea about that as well. Well, you know when you go into any store and everybody says, oh, I don't know, I'm, I, I suppose I'm standard. You know, the average male thinking I'm around six foot, you know, I'm standard. Right. Well, the, the way they actually measure standard is when they were designing golf clubs, they figured out that if you build something 35 inches and you put it into the golf bag, it will sit at the bottom of the golf bag. So <laughs> standard is actually measured for where a club sits in the golf bag. It has nothing to do with the golfer. <laughs> so... Most people, when they think they're standard, it has nothing to do with them as a, as a person. The average guy should be used in probably 33 and a half inch, and the average woman probably 31 to 32 inch length putter. What about the loft on the putter? That's that's an interesting one. I mean, I've I've sort of I've, I've dabbled with getting the right length and stuff, but I've never really considered the loft on my putter. So, what type of loft do you play with at the minute? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have a Scotty Cameron or what do you usually play? Yeah, I have a tailor-made Spider. Okay, so you're probably playing with a. So you play Weston, correct? Y yes, that's correct. Uh, okay, so they usually have pretty fast greens. Yep. So I might be. In, do you forward press the club? Yeah. Okay, so you might. It depends how much you forward press. If you're a forward presser, you can almost go up to you know three, four, five degrees. But if your hands are neutral you might want to go with something around zero or one degree of loft. Okay, okay. that's so I... it, and, and if you're playing in, in, in greens that are very slow, you generally want to go to a much higher loft. Like right. one of the things we do with the tour pros is we have 
a high loft club for slow greens and a low loft club for fast greens. So it's the actual same putter, like it's the same style of putter is what you'd say, but with different loft. Is that correct? Exactly, because the ball will actually have a truer roll with the correct loft for the conditions. Interesting. Uh, you've also indicated that there is a great $3 training aid. Tell me about that one. I want to know about that. Honestly, this is the best training aid that you'll ever buy. Like, I just flew down to Florida to work with the university team, and I went to Home Depot, which is, I should be buying way more shares in Home Depot because I seem to be going there for my training aids these days. But it is a meter stick, a simple meter stick, 36-inch meter stick. You put the golf ball on one end of it, and if you can keep the ball on the meter stick, you're going to be an exceptionally good putter, and it's a $3 meter ruler. So that that's just indicating that you're hitting the ball square and solid, correct? You got it. So if you can actually keep it on the meter ruler, it means that your face, the face of the putter, is plus or minus 0.3 degrees. Wow. So you're, you're not going to have any trouble putting if you can keep it near nearly on this ruler. And for 3 bucks, honestly, it is the best investment that you'll ever make in your golf game. Uh, you teach so many of the top pros. I know uh, we mentioned Ari Jutanagar and Lydia Ko, but it goes down and on. I think you have like 30 of them or something you're teaching with. It's it's unbelievable what you do. How much time do they dedicate to practicing their short game compared to what you see from amateurs uh, at, at clubs from, from around around GTA? Yeah, it's phenomenal. The amount, the amount of work, like they're probably, you know, 60, 60 to 70% short game. Um, and, uh, you know, 30 to 40% ball swing. And it's only because, you know, they've grown up their whole life. To get good at golf, we do the things that are fun to start off with. So we drive and we do a lot of playing and hit a lot of iron shots. And then to get to that next level, you really need to focus on the short game. So, yeah, they're probably, in any week, you know, I'm probably spending two to three hours on their short game. Um, <laughs> almost uh, almost per day there. I'd like to tell you I spent a total of two or three hours a whole of last year working on my short game, but I'd be lying to you. Uh, Gareth, you're going to be out at the Toronto Golf and Travel Show. You're going to be putting on uh, some clinics, I understand? I am. I'm going to be talking a little bit about what we discussed today, sharing some stuff about what we do on tour and how players can go and actually know when they're going to golf town or they're going to these facilities to, to get fitted, what should they be looking for? Because I think that's one of the things. We go and we pick up a putter, we give it a little shake, maybe we listen to it, and we hit a putt and we're like, yeah, it feels good, I'll do this one. You know, but there's there's actually quite a lot of science that goes into this, so I'm going to share some of the things behind that that's going to allow them to go to these places and actually pick something that's going to be sort of tailor-made for them. Sounds like a uh, something that everybody should, uh, should have a listen to. If you're out at the Toronto Golf and Travel Show, stop in and listen to Gareth. He is uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the, in the game right now. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us this morning, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base very soon. No problem. Thanks for Bob. Okay, take care. Uh, that's Gareth Verfluski, teacher to the stars. And uh, we'll be back with more from the Toronto Golf and Travel Show when we get back on Golf Talk Canada. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increased stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It is uh, a Saturday. It is the Toronto Star Golf and Travel Show weekend. And we've been talking to a number of people who are going to be out there. 
checking, uh, offering to give you some golf packages, maybe give a little bit of golf help. And now we're going to uh, hear from Mark Sacchino, who did an interview with uh, Mike Bourne, who is from underpar.com. I was standing by the booth at underpar.com yesterday, and they are a uh, tea time uh, company. And the people who came by who were, it was like they knew exactly what was going on. They knew exactly when certain courses were going to be up for offer. They knew everything about this underpar. It is quite a story. Uh, and let's hear from Mark, uh, from, let's hear from Mark Zacchino talking to Mike Bourne. This weekend is the Toronto Golf and Travel Show at the International Centre in Mississauga, and the title sponsor is Underpar.com. That's Underpar.com. And joining me now is the CEO and president of Underpar.com, Mike Bourne. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on Golf Talk Canada. For our listeners that are unfamiliar with Underpar.com and what it is you do, tell us a little bit about how it works and who you are. Yeah, okay. Good morning, Mark. Yeah, I think the First and foremost, I think it's important that people know Underpar.com is a Canadian company, and uh, more, and importantly, know that Toronto is actually our home. Um, but overall, for those of those of the listeners that don't know what Underpar.com is, um, we're, we're we're basically gaining a reputation in Ontario for 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 a company delivering incredibly exciting golf promotions and opportunities to play exciting golf courses um, where our customers pay in advance for the for the opportunity to play uh, but then they book their round at a later date so I think it's important to, for, for your listeners to know that all our promotions have some you know have some kind or sometimes they don't have any restrictions but sometimes they have some sort of booking restrictions on time and when you can play and it's clearly laid out in the offer so the golfer knows exactly what they're getting and and on the flip side the golf course knows exactly uh, what they're going to provide to the golfers so overall underpar.com is proven to be a great way for golf courses to reach a wide audience of golfers and appeal to those who may not have otherwise uh, been regular uh, golfers at their golf course. Um, So it helps the golf course bring in new people. And for the golfer, it helps them uh, get access to extremely desirable golf courses at really, really good prices. And it's, uh, you know, and it's an incentive for golfers to get off their butt and get out and play. Um, and it gives them an extremely good deal to do that. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's basically what Underpart does. It's, it's a Mark, it's a lot like a Groupon model where we advertise these special promotions and they're only available to purchase for a limited time. But then, but then the golfers got, you know, a long stretch of time after they purchase it to book their golf and uh, and play. I was just going to uh, go there, uh, Mike. I was just kind of, ha- as you were describing it, I was thinking of that model that you just outlined. And, and as opposed to most discount golf programs that are based really around last minute, you need to go right now, the closer we are to the wire, uh, the better the system works. This is the opposite. This is uh, make the commitment early, have it in the bank uh, for something you're going to use uh, somewhere down the road in the season, which to me sounds just like a Groupon. 
Yeah, exactly right. And it's a, and it's proven to kind of be exciting for the golfer because once they've made that commitment, you know, these are all avid, you know, <laughs> we love golf. So when you buy this prepaid pass, you know, what's in your back pocket. It's keeping you interested. It's keeping you looking forward. It's making you excited. You're excited to play. It makes you think about the golf course. And, uh, you know, and it's, so it's, it's, so it's sort of in your, it's in your veins versus, hey, it's last minute. Where am I going to play? Let me just play with, the, with where I can find the lowest price. And for the golf courses, uh, uh, exactly right, Mark, and for the golf courses, you know, it takes me back to something Kevin Thistle said years ago when he was at Angus Glen, and that's that, if, you know, if, if you're trying to run a successful golf course if you could pre-sell all your rounds in advance uh, that would sure take a lot of the pressure off running the golf course day to day with all the uncertainties like weather and competition so it seems to be a win-win for everybody our model well now obviously you've got uh, something very special happening this weekend at the toronto golf show with uh basically an icon from the area to meet and greet with doug gilmore but but before we get to that and why our listeners should come out and see you. Where do you see this business going down the road, whether it be in the near future or long term? And is there anything specific to the Toronto area or GTA that uh, that uh, our listeners might be interested in? Yeah, well, right, exactly. We're excited. We'll get. We'll talk a little bit more about Doug Gilmore in a second, but he is going to be joining us today uh, in our booth from twelve till two. We, we underpar.com did just celebrate our tenth anniversary, and um, personally, I'm a fan of the philosophy of it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and things. Uh, so it seems that we're we're providing something compelling for the golfers, and the golf courses are happy. So, um, but you know, that said, we're always looking forward to. Uh, to new and innovative, creative uh, ways to, to proceed. And actually, something uh, really interesting is manifesting itself south of the border in the U.S., where we've been growing rapidly. And it's kind of exciting that here's this Canadian-based company that's quickly expanding in the U.S., and we have some very creative and exciting, innovative programs going on with some of the large golf associations. Those are the associations where golfers keep a handicap, like the Florida State Golf Association, the Southern California Golf Association, and doing things with Doral in Miami, PJ West, McKinta Resort, Pinehurst in Carolina. So really doing some exciting things south of the border. And back, back home, we just continue to work our butts off to develop relationships with the best golf courses and come up with the best offers to our, to our hungry, avid golfers in Southern Ontario. And, and actually, um, we're, we're partnering with a new business in the area. Mark Sharp, a guy in the, a longtime industry guy, has got a new business called Sharp Golf Solutions where He's he, he's helping us look into data, and 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 we think that there's there's so much data in the golf industry, Mark, um, that uh, that's being overlooked. And through through Sharp Golf Solutions, and we're, we're we're actually discovering some really compelling ways to help our golf course partners grow their revenue through this real data. So that's something that we're making a priority here that's going to help us grow our, our footprint here in Ontario and grow our relationships with more golf courses. And also on the horizon here uh, in Ontario, is a, uh, we're, we're on the cusp of a partnership with the Golf Canada Foundation to help them raise more money to develop more Canadian superstar golfers like Brooke Henderson and Mike Weir earlier. Um, we're, gonna, we're, we're really going to work hard to help the, 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 the golf 
Health Canada Foundation, bring in some extra revenue, and uh, and that's our way of giving back a little bit to to the area and help kind of you know I think it's absolutely fantastic to to align ourselves with some with the juniors, the, the young guns that are coming up, the Corey Connors, the guys that are and the guys and the girls that are really excellent young players that don't have the financial resources to get them over the hump. And so we're really looking forward to partnering with the the, the Golf Canada Foundation to get that off the ground. All right, Mike, uh, when is the time this Saturday, which would be today, when, what time is this meet and greet? Because you say the name Doug Gilmore in this city, and uh, I don't care what your age is or uh, how far we are removed from that run back in 93, uh, people light up and want to meet and greet with Doug Gilmore. So that would be today, Saturday, Toronto Golf Show at the International Center. What time does the meet and greet start? Yeah, Killer shows up at 12 o'clock from 12 till 2. He's going to be at our booth signing autographs, taking photos, no charge, obviously. We've got a couple of authentic Leap jerseys with the Dougie sign that we're going to be giving away. We, um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, we're so excited to be partnering with Doug Gilmore this year. Uh, we're huge fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, oh, and one other thing, uh, I know that, that, that they want me to remind your, your listeners that kids under 18 are, are, are all in free. So kids under 18 get in free today and tomorrow. And, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody at our booth. And, again, Doug Gilmore, 12 till 2 today. Mike, thanks so much for your time with uh, Dougie there today. You're going to have a lot of traffic. I'm sure you'll have a wonderful show. Let's touch base at some point throughout the season. And, of course, again, Toronto Golf and Travel Show goes throughout the weekend to Sunday, underpar.com, whether you're looking for discount golf uh, to highlight a couple of spots that maybe you've been thinking about playing throughout the year, or you want to grab a lot of golf all at once in a discount environment, underpar.com is the place to be. Mike, thanks so much for your time. You got it, and uh, and Mark, we're big fans of your show here over at Underpar. So keep keep doing the great work you're doing. And there is Mark Sacchino and Mike Bourne from Underpar.com. As he mentioned today, twelve till two, Dougie. It's a uh, that's all you have to say is Dougie, right? It's a uh, golf show, but we got a hockey icon that never hurts to have uh, at your booth. He's going to be there at the Underpar booth. The uh, Toronto Golf and Travel Show opens at 10 a.m. today. We'll go until 5 p.m. Tickets are on sale, 16 bucks at the door and online now. If you are 18 and under, it's absolutely free to go there. And if you want to go a little bit later in the day, if you go after 3 p.m., you get a twilight rate. How about that? Just 10 bucks. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal for, uh, for going out to the show. But uh, twilight rate at a golf show, it's good. It's at the International Center. There are lots of great booths going on. There are uh, lots of great uh, uh, presentations being made. One by Gareth Rafluski, who you uh, just heard about a little bit from a little bit earlier today. Uh, Brad Kozak from golfinontario.ca. So a uh, great place to book your round and, and get a little feel going for some some golf season that seems, I think if you walk outside today, maybe seems a little bit further away. All right, when we come back on Golf Talk Canada, we're going to wrap things up. Bump is going to be here. TSN golf producer Jamie Rydell, um, now noted as known as Bump. We've exposed him on the uh, Rubber Boots podcast and, of course, on the Bump and Run podcast. We'll go through the tours. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in golf. And we'll talk about the fact that you can watch the third and fourth rounds of the PGA Tour today on TSN 1 and 4 at 3 p.m. is also on C. TV2. All that coming up when we come back on Golf Talk Canada. 
This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we wrap up this edition of our program. It's time for what we usually call Scully Time, but today we're calling it Bump Time. Because joining me on the line is uh, our good pal Bump, who is uh, actually, we, we can expose him here. They don't on the Rubber Boots podcast, but Bump and Rum podcast. And, of course, the producer of Everything Golf on TSN, Jamie Rydal. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Weeksy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Very well. Um, Want to run through the leaderboards here very quickly. And sure. the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am is uh, going on, in strangely enough, in Pebble Beach. And um, we have a five-way tie for the lead, although they're not really through the second round yet. And the two interesting names, to, well, actually, there's three interesting names for me on there. Of course, it's uh, Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth, both at 10-under, but also Lucas Glover in there, a guy we haven't heard of from mm-hmm. for a while, right? What do you make of this leaderboard? I think it's a great leaderboard because you, you got Jason Day also in the mix. Yep, one shot All back. All these guys have won a pebble before, and... You know, it's good for the tournament, that the, especially for Jordan Spieth. I think this is, I think we can all agree, the last year for Jordan Spieth has been terrible. Hasn't won in like over 500 days, I believe, Wow, is the number. And to see him playing well, uh, this is probably the tournament that he needed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Canadians on the leaderboard. Mackenzie Hughes is only through 15 mm-hmm. holes of his, uh, his round. He is at six under par. Nick Taylor, four under par. He's finished. He had a one under par round yesterday. Ben Silverman has uh, got a couple of holes to play. He's at three under par and then tied for 45th. And uh, my screen just froze. There we go. Thank you. Adam Hadwin. Adam, Adam Hadwin. Yeah, minus two. He played at Pebble yesterday. was two under there. And uh, on and on we go. Adam Svensson okay. is at 106 plays. Two over, so uh, Corey Connors. He, he had it going in the on the front nine yesterday at Pebble too. That he was he had taken it to I think it was four hundred in his first nine, and then he lost it on the on his second nine, which I believe was the front. Um, right. One of the more interesting nines, though, <laughs> was searched by Roger Sloan. Oh my god, that was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> so he starts off on the first hole double bogey. Then on the next hole, he goes double eagle. Double eagle. Up two on a par five. Uh, birdies the fourth hole, and then puts up double bogeys on six and seven. He uh, ended up, he's actually not finished yet. He's three over through 16 holes. Eight over. He's uh, near the bottom, if not right at the bottom, but yeah. uh, he will not be around for the weekend. Uh, the Web.com Tour is playing in Panama, and what's the most interesting story here, Bump? Weirdly. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Mike Weir was just one shot off the lead for the first round, right? And he yeah. is now tied for 13th. After a Still around. Three. Still a great, great performance. Great performance. Maybe he needs some money since he's getting can't get into trouble with his winery. <laughs> so he's playing better. Uh, Michael Gligich is uh, tied for 21st. Alvin Choi tied for 31st. Uh, Brad Fritz, our good pal, is uh, tied for 42nd spot on, on there as well. Uh, those guys all made the and cut. And Ryan Yip. Ryan Yip did not make the cut. Ryan Yip did not make the cut, unfortunately. Now, the most interesting tournament of the weekend is being played in Australia, where they are already through three rounds. And why don't you explain what's going on down there? Well, the Vic, uh, the Vic Open, uh, they decided to do a joint men and women tournament. So an LPGA-sanctioned event and a Euro-sanctioned event, along with the Australasia Tour, to uh, have the two, the two tours compete at the same time on the same course for the same money. Yeah. it's so. And actually yesterday, because of the draw, they had the first mixed uh, grouping, I believe, probably in history, or at least in the history of that tour, 
um, where they had two men and one uh, one woman from the LPGA Tour playing in the same group. Right. Now, they're not playing uh, the same tees. I will point that they're out. They're not, no. No. They're playing a little but bit on of a shorter same, course. Simultaneously on the same course. And, yeah. Uh, and that's a cool little event, and I know there's a lot of players on the LPGA Tour that wish the PGA Tour would do something a little bit more than that, if you followed it along on Twitter. But uh, yep. two Canadians make the 54-hole cut, Elena Sharp and AC Tange, who are both tied for 15th. It was tough to watch them a little bit. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, it was like it brutal, was brutal conditions yesterday. I sort of looked at the scores. This, uh, you know, six, Elena Sharp goes 69-69-77, and you go, whoa. Yeah. But then you, when you see what they were playing with, and you look at all the other scores, uh, AC Tange was a 75 yesterday. Yeah. There was a great shot of a guy trying to put on his little uh, plastic poncho, yes. and it just got caught on his head. It looked like he was one of those one of those uh, mob movies where they off a guy by putting in the plastic bag around his head or something. <laughs> Poor guy, self self destructing on his own. But tough conditions down there. But I think it's a great idea. I, I think uh, I think it's smart to try and do that. And and listen, why not? Right, try something different. Right. Get some people going. Remember, they used to have the old mixed team classic. At uh, right. on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour. I remember one year when it first was on. It was uh, Weirzy and uh, Laurie Kane played together. Actually, that's right. So yeah, um, I, I just think they. I, I think you know, almost like they're you know now that the LPGA is their tournament of champions, maybe they can get together and have the two tournament of champions, um, the two tournament of champions go at the same time. Sure, I agree. Wherever it is, but uh, you know, do you give credit to the Euro Tour and Keith Pelly. They keep trying stuff. Um, to gain some interest, and most of it has been pretty successful and pretty well received. Um, I think it's a great, I think it's a great initiative, and you know why not do it early in the season, right? Yeah, sure. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, quickly back to the PGA Tour. I just want to run this w- real story by you real quick. Where is interesting? Whereas John Rollins, remember John Rollins actually mm-hmm. won the Canadian Open one year. Yes, he, did. he was on target to actually caddy this week at Pebble Beach. Believe it or not, caddy for Hunter Mahan. They went so deep down the alternate list that he actually got into the tournament and actually shot a one over on his opening round. There were 27 alternates contacted to play that's in this crazy. tournament. That's how deep they went. But that's that's well, quite a story. It is. It is and then there's the the other story of uh, I'm trying to I can't remember the name, but a guy who was playing the Web Tour in Panama. Oh yeah, got the call and Parker McLaughlin. Parker McLaughlin flew it. Tommy Ganey's in the tournament, right? Tommy Ganey didn't make it. He didn't make it. He got the oh, call, and, and no, he didn't make it in time, so he didn't actually go. So unfortunately, oh that uh, I don't. I don't know why they went so deep on this tournament, but wow. Yeah, a lot of guys, I guess, just don't like the five and a half hour rounds or playing with the celebs right. or dancing in the bunker with Bill Murray. Listen, Bump, we got to run. Uh, thank okay. you for your time as always. And uh, the you. Bump and Run podcast will have another edition coming up this week. So listen to that. Right. And we will talk to everybody at the Golf uh, and Travel Show. If you're out there, come on by and uh, and we'll hopefully say hello to you. And uh, enjoy yourself. It starts just moments from now if you're going out and enjoy it and see uh, Doug Gilmore. And we will talk to you next week right here on Golf Talk Canada.